Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, welcome back to the Thompson to Clark podcast. Brad, we took a week off, and I expected... All hell to break loose while we were gone. I expected to get a text from you saying, (laughs) oh, man, we got to do an emergency episode. You know, the Giants just signed X. But nothing. I mean, some stuff happened. Very little happened, though. And it it was it was a good week for us to take off because I expect us to go pretty much, um, you know, from here on out for uh, for weekly. You know, I, I don't expect us to take a week off. I think what 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 day is Christmas on this year? I believe it's on a Wednesday, either a Wednesday or a Thursday. I'm not. I'm not. Yes, I, it's in the middle of the week, <clears throat> so we'll probably even record that week just because it doesn't. It's not really going to affect plans uh, or anything. But uh, how was your week off? It was really nice. I was expecting to come back and do the. Um, you know, hey, everybody, we got Trevor Bauer podcast, <laughs> but that, like you said, that didn't happen. <laughs> there was, there were no texts saying, well, look at us, look at us, but no, uh, and nobody did because there weren't any signings really, but it was good. It was pretty chill. Uh, we did, uh, uh, you know, four of us in the family and we stayed in the house kind of, you know, didn't, didn't go to, uh, didn't go anywhere, do any big parties or anything. Uh, and so, uh, my wife bought a 14 pound Turkey for four people. So we've, uh, again, tonight, this is Monday night, uh, like what, four or five days later tonight, we'll be having Turkey soup again. Um, but the way she's been doing it has been awesome. And like one night it's like mushroom and rice, mm-hmm. Turkey soup with vegetables in it. Uh, the next night it's uh, turkey with uh, cranberry sauce and buns and, and they homemade everything. Um, and I just put the turkey on the barbecue and sat with it for three hours while I yeah. watched football out in the 32 degree cold, but <laughs> we're drinking beer. But I had a good time while I did every once in a while I turn around and look in the window and they're just, you know, in there baking three ladies baking and having a good time. And it's warm and I'm out there. <laughs> My wife comes out, she goes, you okay out here by yourself? I said, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good, man. I got the fire going. I got <laughs> so, so we had a good time and you, you did some traversing, right? Yeah. So we had decided about six weeks ago that we were going to make the trip out to Arizona into to Tucson where my parents live and where my kids go to school. And so we had just, you know, it was still sort of like, you know, I, I still had some thoughts about what I needed to do to be comfortable going. Uh, one of which I wanted to take a few, a few uh, COVID-19 tests and pass those before I felt comfortable going into my parents' house. Cause my parents, you know, are in their sixties and, and I don't want to get them sick in any way. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't sick. I only got to take two tests, but uh, they were a few days apart, so I felt pretty comfortable with that. Uh, Crystal, my wife, took a couple tests. She takes one through through her work, and then she went with me to take uh, the test uh, at the public place where, where they do them in San Jose. And so as the news about the virus got worse and worse and worse, like I fully expected... Thanksgiving to be a bit of a problem. What I didn't expect was the weeks preceding 
Thanksgiving to be as big of a problem as they were. And so we had sort of agreed. We said, we're going to go. We'll do it. And as it's getting closer and closer and closer, we're like, gosh, is this safe anymore? Like, you know, should we do this? And so, you know, we we did it as about as safely as possible. We drove when we got to my parents' house. Anytime we were inside, uh, except for in, in the in the bedroom, we were wearing masks. And even when we went outside, because we spent a lot of time outside with the doggies, we were wearing masks. So if you were to sort of write it on paper, like how to do it properly, like that's what we tried to follow. Yeah. But I still felt kind of like, you know, I, I, I will say that uh, my, you'll have to ask my parents because they're, they're probably listening to this, but I was not a hundred percent comfortable going. And then when we got there, I was happy to be there, but I was still, I still felt like I was kind of in my head pretty much the whole time. And, uh, even when we left, uh, we, you know, we were there for a week coming home. I just felt so guilty. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I'll feel so much better if we, you know, if I can take, tests coming home and we're going right. to work. We're quarantining. Like we're not doing anything. We're literally staying home. Then I'll feel a lot better. But yeah, I was really in my head. And you know, all I was thinking about, I didn't even realize how in my head I was until sort of the end on the drive home. But it made me realize, you know, all of the people who are dealing with this in a, a sort of a mental health way, you know, you have kids, I have kids, so we're busy. We're dealing with stuff. You know, we're uh, we have passions. We have hobbies. This this podcast came out of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, but I know that there are others who are just so affected by, you know, what's going on and isolation and all that. And I started started thinking about, you know, gosh, you know, the, the, those folks who I've, I have been thinking about them. I've, you know, I run a couple of Facebook groups and we, we talk about this a lot, but this is the, really the first time that it affected me since the, the pandemic. Cause once the pandemic happened, I was like, okay, I'm forced to be in the house. Now I'm just going to like do more stuff that I've been wanting to do and try and use this time positively. But this was really the first time where I was like, Oh gosh, like I feel a little, uh, not depressed. I wouldn't say I felt depressed, but just a little on edge, like sort of, you know, how you feel when you don't have control of something and you're like, ah, like, like the risk, you know, is there again, we, we, we minimize that risk as, as much as possible. And my kids, they, they take, they, they t- can take a, a test for school for at school. So that they, they tested like two times. I said, you guys need to test negative twice before coming for, for Thanksgiving. So they did. But, you know, it's just in my head about, oh, like, did we make the right decision? You know, there, there, there is something in there to, to see my parents who I haven't seen since Super Bowl. Now I see, I, I was able to see them. And now I think I have, you know, that longevity. I think we can go until the vaccine. And then when the vaccine is there, then we can start, you know, doing trips comfortably again. Cause I was, Crystal and I were seeing my parents. We had planned at least, you know, to go every few months, just to go spend, spend the weekend there, you know? Well, yeah. And you so your kids down there too. I mean, so yeah. you're not just going to see your parents. I mean, it's like the whole family for the most part. Yeah. So there's a, there was a little bit of that, you know, and knowing that, you know, my family's out there, we're here and just, you know, cause my sister's out there too, my, my niece and nephew, my brother-in-law, they're all out there. So it was just this little bit of like, I couldn't a hundred percent enjoy myself cause I was so worried about the situation. And then, um, 
you know, then trying to be positive, but still, I, you know, I knew that I wasn't feeling a hundred percent, but, um, you know, that's just kind of the deal. And now, you know, I'll, I'll take my COVID tests and then, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll be good as long as everyone's healthy. And then, you know, we'll sort of bunker down for these, uh, for these next six months. And hopefully, you know, in six months, this country will be in a much, this world will be in a much better shape than it is. You know, and Denise and I were talking about that too, because on Saturday, uh, which is, you know, small, small shop Saturday or whatever they, I can't remember what they call it, small business Saturday. Um, we hadn't planned really to do much. Uh, I'd bought a couple of records from, uh, buddy of mine who owns a record store in downtown Reno. So, uh, I, I, you know, those were ready for pickup and she had to drop off some things at work, which is nearby. And so we hopped in the car, just her and I left the kids here and we hit her work and then hit the record store. And we're like, you know what, let's go buy our winery, which was just a couple streets down. Cause the, uh, the winter box had come out. So we had to pick that up. Um, so we went in there and that, you know, it's a kind of tough situation because yeah, everybody's being careful and stuff. And then mm-hmm. you walk into the wine place and the guy, you know, at the counter, he, he comes huffing and puffing in and, and he was moving boxes in the back and he had his mask down around his chin. And then he's standing at the cash register and we're paying for it. And he's just huffing and puffing and huffing and puffing with no mask on. And here we are standing like, you know, 15 feet away. And I go, Hey, can I Apple pay? So I ran up and hit my watch and ran back <laughs> and we both have our mask. So it's those little things. And that takes me out of my comfort zone. It, it makes me want you're like, was it worth it to make this trip to pick up a box of wine from a local winery when they are having a hard time just following the regular standards? Um, you know, and then we hit another store on the way home and I go, well, you know, this other store, they sell only like Nevada products. And said, we like to shop there on, on, um, you know, the black Friday weekend. So we went in and I told my wife, I said, you know, if there's like one or two people, I'll feel comfortable. It's a fairly decent sized store. But if there's more than that, I don't know how I'm going to feel. So yeah. we walk in, there's a couple people. And then as we're in there, you know, one family after the next comes in and it says on the door, uh, max 13 people because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and so they go in and here I am, I'm counting and I'm getting, <laughs> I get to like 20 and I go, let's just grab the stuff we're going to grab and let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You know, so simple stuff like that um, makes me just say, you know what? I'm just going to do my shopping online from now on. If they don't have what I need, then then I'm not going to get it. I mean, it's right, that right. simple. If they can't follow the procedures and nobody's going to be there to enforce it, do I want to give that business? And then I feel bad because it's like, yeah, everybody's struggling though. Everybody's doing their best right now. So it's, you have to just remember at some point, you know, people are human. And so that, that, that is hard for me to do. And my wife has to remind me every night, Hey, everybody's human. Mm-hmm. Everybody is doing what they can. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Not everyone is a jackass, which is probably how you and I think <laughs> yeah, when we see exactly. people without masks. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> so I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, you know, but, the, the, yeah. that, that, that is a, you know, that is a human way that we are all dealing with this. And so, uh, I think people listening to this are probably like, yep, I get it. I totally get it. And, uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's what we're gonna have to deal with. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, figuring out the, cause like you said, you know, we're not going to stores right now. We're, we're 
having all deliveries and everything. And with that comes stuff that they forget or they don't right. put. And then I just want to jump in the car and go to the store. But I'm like, nope, I get, we got to, you know, we got to peel back a little bit. So see, and, and here in Reno, there are so few people, you know, there's 400,000 people in the entire county. Um, so going into stores, a lot of times, like my buddy who owns the record store, I dropped by there again today and I popped in to pick something up and it was just him. And so you'll get that quite a bit, which yeah. is, which is really nice. Um, but then you'll get those days like Saturday where it's real nice day. Uh, you know, the, the couple days before it was like in the forties and thirties. So on Saturday it was in the fifties. So you had people out and about and everybody's running around doing shopping that's when you run into that situation where you go into the store and you're like, no, too many people for me, too many people. So, but, um, but yeah, we're all human, you mm -hmm. know, we're all trying. Just since we're on the topic of yeah. this thing, you see what football is dealing with, with all of these positives and yeah. County, like Santa Clara County shut down and aren't allowing the 49ers to play in uh, for three weeks so the Niners have to actually go find a place to play what does that say about this upcoming baseball season because I feel like Major League Baseball did a pretty good job we didn't see a lot of positives nowhere near the amount of positives no. as football but football you know you have twice the size of the teams but I, I almost wonder you know can you have as normal of a, of a baseball season uh, this whether you know the vaccine may come in the middle of the season like you know I know they don't I know they're really worried about again not having gates and, and not making as much money as they expected but I almost I almost wish like okay if can we like let's say that a vaccine is ready in June can we just wait <laughs> can, we, can we just not have the season until then because I just you know just watching what football is going through you know if you if you lose like let's say you lose nine guys like the Baltimore Ravens or how many ever guys that they I think lose, they're up to 14 now on a baseball team like yeah. that's like half the team more than <laughs> half the team right yeah yeah absolutely and and but, but again, I mean, they're talking contact sports right now, right? Santa Clara County, contact sports. I don't think they consider baseball contact sport because with football, too, what they're mostly worried about is practices. So they're worried about, you know, not the games so much, but those four days of practices leading up to the games where D-linemen and O-linemen are going face-to-face. Uh, on every play in practice and breathing in each other's faces. Uh, can you wear a mask when you practice? Probably not. I mean, they're not going to have the same conditioning. They're not going to feel as good. Um, so I think, I think that's the problem. So I think baseball, you can kind of get away with it, but you got to have really strict guidelines and teams really have to follow those. And the players, when they're not on the field or in the clubhouse for those five hours on game day, you know, they're going to have to also really follow those rules, whether it's 700 players or so, 700 plus active players in Major League Baseball. Can you get all 700 and the clubhouse guys and the managers and the coaches to all follow those um, guidelines strictly? I mean, we saw this past season 
No, you can't. <laughs> um, with the numbers as high as they are now and getting higher, um, I think it all kind of depends on what's it going to look like in February when pitchers and catchers start reporting. Um, we're not that far away. I mean, this is tomorrow, uh, you know, by the time people listen to this, it's December, mm-hmm. right? So you've got December, January, and then a week or two into February and all of a sudden. So we're uh, about 10 weeks away, maybe, yeah. from this happening. Uh, there's a lot in play here. There's a lot of moving parts. So I, I just don't know at this part, at this, at this point. All right. Well, we'll get off of the, the COVID-19 stuff. That's uh, depressing. It is, but I do want, I did want to give you a quick chance because, uh, a couple times we've talked our football teams here oh and we have our, our teams played each other on This is a baseball Sunday. podcast, <laughs> but I just want to give you the, I just want to give you the, the, the floor. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we both expected the Rams to take care of business against the 49ers. I did not. Right, but right at the I, end, right up, yeah. right at the end there, we're talking about the end of the week, all of a sudden. There were some really big time players for the Niners who became healthy. Richard Sherman, Debo Samuel, uh, Raheem Mostert. Those are three of their best players, and the Niners haven't had them for weeks. And all of a sudden, they're back for this big game against the Rams. And I think I had mentioned to some of my 49ers buddies, I was like, you know what? We have a chance in this game if. Our quarterback wasn't named Nick Mullins. So we, we would have a chance. And so I think that's how most 49er fans felt. And they went into L.A. I imagine you're super disappointed because there were tons of opportunities for you guys to kind of take a little bit of control there. And then, you know, Goff had, had, a, had, a couple, had a pick and then there was a fumble. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't say either team played particularly uh, well, but the Niners kind of had the ball at the end there last and were able to kick that field goal to win it. Yeah, the... The Rams have lost four games this year, two of them to the Niners, and three of those losses, they just completely did it to themselves. And I'm all for giving another team credit for the win, um, but the Rams yesterday and the other Niner game and the game against Miami, too many, just, just so many turnovers, just Goff not holding on to the ball when diving forward, um, throwing horrible interceptions, making terrible choices. And you know what? The Rams would have had a better chance if they would have had a quarterback named Nick Mullins yesterday. Because he was just so conservative. (laughs) He was. Yeah. He was very conservative, not making bad decisions. I mean, Mullins... You know, he did what he could. The, the tip ball from Aaron Donald, the, you know, the fumble um, from the running back that Aaron Donald also stripped out. Those are not, I mean, that's not Nick Mullen's fault. You can't mm-hmm. do much about that. Uh, other than that, you know, he played a clean game. And I think Goff is in his, what, fifth season now. So I think he's kind of at that point where you got to take a step forward and quit having games like that. I mean, the Rams look like world beaters two weeks in a row. And then they just destroy themselves. And then, and then next week they play the Cardinals and they'll probably beat the Cardinals. Cause that's just kind of the way the season is going for the Rams. But, but back to just Rams and Niners. I mean, that was just, it was a, it was a typical Ram Niner game back and forth. Doesn't matter. First place, last place team doesn't matter in that division with that rivalry. It's always a fun game. And the Rams played really exciting football for six minutes. Mm-hmm. I, well, I was going to say is in, in that first game, we had talked about how the running game 
look like it was working in that first game and they just didn't go back to it enough. And in this game, I think they, they started to run, they tried to run a little early. didn't, didn't work out too well, but all of a sudden when cam Akers got in there, you guys were running all over the 49ers for a bit. And then they went away from it again. (laughs) With and three minutes, what, yeah. And With that's why I was left. like, I was so thankful. I was like, man, because if you know, <laughs> Bakers is in there and you, and you guys are running again, like, I don't think we get the ball back. No, with 3.11 left in the game, uh, McVeigh decides to call five straight pass plays. And then we don't get the first down, the second first down. And then you got to punt it away. Yeah. And they give you the ball with uh, over two minutes. So the Rams ran off, what, 49 seconds, I think, mm-hmm. with 3.11 left in the game. So that, I mean, that just brutal play calling, shooting themselves in the foot, Goff making horrible decisions. Also, not drafting middle linebackers for three, four years in a row now has really come back to bite them because the Rams were missing a couple of their starting middle linebackers as they play a 3-4 defense. And so you had the two guys who were just way down in the depth chart starting yesterday. And so middle of the field was wide open for anything the Niners wanted to do. So, you know, just one of those perfect storms. And who knows, a lot of season left still. I'm not excited right now. <laughs> I'm not having a good time with football. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, think, I would I like the single worst season of pro football I've ever watched. And it's oh, not, yeah. it's not because the, the athletes aren't, aren't good. It's just because you have to go down so many levels of the depth chart in order to have enough people to play. And, you know, so a lot of the, a lot of the football is not fantastic. Uh, I mean, you, you know, I, the, the Niners have had, both injury and and COVID issues, but I'm just like, man, like they, this was the first game where they had bona fide, uh, you know, Pro Bowl players on the field at the same time, and and that's why I thought that they would play okay, but I, I still didn't know if they were going to have enough. But okay, we we went a full twenty minutes without <laughs> talking any Giants. Oh, we did. I think we squeezed. Well, we squeezed in a little baseball in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So 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 let let's uh, let, let let let's squeeze a, a, another two minutes before we talk Giants. All right. Just talk about what you're drinking. Yeah, I you know what I I experimented tonight. Um, I wanted something fresh, kind of. Uh, we've had this bottle of gin in the uh, closet for a while. My wife likes gin; she likes to mix it up with a couple things. But we've still had it for a while because it's not her go-to. Um, but we have a local distillery and craft brewery here in Reno, and it's called the Depot. And so if you ever visit Reno, you got to check out the depot because it's, it's in an old train, the old train depot downtown. So when you go into the men's room uh, to use the uh, bathroom in there, you walk into the bathroom and there's a gigantic safe in the middle of the bathroom encased in glass, the original safe from the depot uh, back in the day. So it's a really cool old building, but they've got this, uh, they make their own high country gin. It's, uh, you know, just 80 proof, nothing, nothing too heavy or fancy, but it's made with uh, botanicals, hops, uh, juniper, coriander, orange peel, ginger, and other spices. And so I did a little uh, gin and tonic with a couple of ice cubes. And I didn't see that, and I'm highly allergic to juniper, mm. and I just realized that this oh, has man. juniper in it. So if I start sounding stuffy, uh, you'll know why. <laughs> I was not uh, a gin fan until I went to 
a um, distillery, and the the guys were telling me about the gin and how it's made and and actually how to drink it. And I really enjoyed it. I haven't really found uh, I, I I probably need to get some more, but I really enjoyed it. I had you know I mixed in some seltzer water and maybe a little bit of uh, lemon juice, but. Mm. Because uh, you know, drinking it sort of straight is is a little rough if you're not yeah. a gin drinker, but I really I really liked it when I you know when when they sold it to me at the distillery. So now that you said that, I'm gonna have to get some. Yeah, this 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 one I actually really enjoy. I could probably have added like maybe an orange wedge. My wife said, "Hey, why don't you throw a a lime in there?" And I said, "Well, you know what? It has orange peel in it, so I, I almost threw in just like a, a wedge of orange." But I think I'll, I'll kind of experiment with this and try that maybe next time. It's really fresh. It's really like refreshing. I I, I enjoy it so far until I get stuffy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, I am drinking a wine cocktail. So I, I think I've, 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 uh, I've made this before for one of our shows cause we are now on show 19. Amazing. Wow. Uh, so it is uh, rye whiskey and I, and I went your route with the wild Turkey rye. Oh yeah. And so it is, uh, it's like two shots of rye whiskey. Two shots? Uh, mm-hmm. Like two, like three ounces yeah yeah Ooh, look at that uh and and then it's about an ounce of maybe maybe it's closer to two ounces and then it's an ounce of red wine on top of an ice cube with about a half an ounce of uh lemon juice and it is like you said refreshing uh, but you know, it is an interesting taste. Like you, 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 I wouldn't put those two flavors together necessarily, uh, with wine, with red wine and whiskey, but it is, uh, it is pretty good. It is very tasty. And like, you know, I enjoy wine a lot. Um, you know, my wife drinks wine, so she pretty much drinks wine, you know, every other day. So there's always wine around and I really like it, but I also know the sugar content is so high and it's not great for me. Yeah. But if I have, you know, if I can put some whiskey and then maybe just get that little taste of the red wine, I think it's, it's good, you know, for a few days where I don't need to drink it anymore. So I do, I do, I do enjoy it. And this is a, this is a nice way to kind of, you know, get experimental and, and drink something that flavor, you know, when it comes to your flavor palette, it's not like, oh yeah, these things go together like <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter, you know, so you, you do drink it slow and you, and you take your time with it, but it overall it is good. Well, we like to have the red wines. Uh, she'll buy these for me um, because again, not a huge wine drinker, but I like the reds. And so she'll kind of seek out the uh, bourbon barrel aged uh, red wines. And I, mm. I like those. So that's kind of a little twist on that. So you'll have to send me that recipe because I want to try that. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So you know, we, we, we kind of wasted a lot of time because there wasn't a whole lot of Giants news, but we are now fully 100% on the Giants. And <laughs> our first bit here is on uh, November 24th, so almost a week ago, MLB Network Zone John Morosi tweeted that the Giants were interested in left-handed free agent John Lester. And if you remember... 2015 the Giants were pretty hot on Lester you know Lester was with the Red Sox and I think he got traded to the A's at the deadline then he was a free agent and I think even the, like 
Buster Posey, I think, like went out there to help sell John Lester on he coming did. to the Giants. And this was right after the Giants won their last title, so 2014 offseason. And Lester turned the Giants down, went to the Cubs, had some really great seasons with the Cubs. Like I was looking at his uh, baseball reference and, you know, his first season with the Cubs was, was fine. He wasn't great, but, uh, you know, had some 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 bad luck there. Uh, but the Cubs were not good that first season. And then in the season where they uh, they won the World Series, he went 19 and 5, 244 ERA, uh, 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings. And uh, he finished second in the Cy Young Award race. Following year, probably his uh, his worst year, unless you count 19. I guess I would count 19 as his worst year just analytically. But then he bounced back in 18, 18 and 6 with the 3.32 ERA. Uh, but in his uh, in, in our uh, pandemic season, he was just 3 and 3, 5.16 ERA. Strikeouts were down. Uh, hits per nine were over nine. Uh, so he was giving up more than a hit in inning. His whip was at one three, not as bad as, as 2019. So some of his analytics were a lot better in 2020 than 2019. But if you look at the sum of the years with the Cubs, I would say, you know, those first three years with the Cubs were really solid. Uh, actually, the first four, two out of those years were pretty spectacular. Uh, but then the last two really struggled. Like in 2019, 171 innings gave up 205 hits. That is not good. <laughs> um, and, and and look, you know, he's a free agent. The Giants need arms. They need to eat innings. But you know, with the style that we saw with Gabe Kapler... You only really need to go five or six with the way that he likes to manage that bullpen. So I would have to look deeper. I wish I could see uh, some of uh, the splits here, like as far as, you know, how, how many innings did did he go to and, uh, you know, or did he average and, and did how was he the second time around in the lineup and all those things, because I think right. that matters with this Giants team. What do you think about John Lester? How have you thought about John Lester these last two years? He is uh, his 2020 season was his age 36 season. You know, it's funny. I, I honestly thought that he would probably walk away from the game after this past season. Um, had a five over five ERA, uh, shortened season. You know, 12 games started all 12, 61 innings, 64 hits. So. Um, his his whip was 1.32 so his his whip has been really really bad he's been giving up a lot of hits since 2017 so his it, it, you know the world series season where he was number 2 in the Cy Young award uh, voting in the national league in 2016, he went 19 and five. His awesome. whip was he was so oh, awesome. I mean, just dominating. His is still couldn't throw over to first base though. His <laughs> life has his well known issues with he just doesn't make the pickoff move. He doesn't have one and he doesn't like to do it and he won't do it. Um, I don't know if that's changed at all. I haven't seen. I think uh, there was one playoff game that year where he did throw over to first and uh, everybody was just blown away because that just never happens. But uh, just kind of been going downhill since then. He'll be 37. Uh, Giants don't have any other left-handers uh, other than Tyler Anderson. Um, and he's 
arbitration eligible? So, you know, will they come to an agreement? Will he walk? Um, will they move him? Uh, a lot of different things could happen there. So, Signing a guy like John Lester to a one-year deal with all kinds of incentives is kind of what Zaidi does. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be against it, especially because, like you said, I mean, we're, we're not seeing guys for the Giants so far under Gabe Kapler going more than, you know, five innings. If they mm-hmm. get to six innings, that's a shock. Um but could he also be one of those guys that, you know, left-hander comes in in the fifth inning and it's John Lester and he comes in and pitches the fifth, sixth, seventh, mm-hmm. um, only has to go through the lineup maybe once, twice. Um, so can, can he be used that way? But again, he's an old school guy. He's 37. So that's probably not in his mentality. And I would assume the shortened season really kind of messed with him because these old school guys too, they have their routine, man. They've got their routine where it's like, you can't just start a season in July with no lead up to it. No, uh, you know, getting the arm ready, no stretching them out and getting extra innings in spring training. So that kind of could have messed with the numbers quite a bit, but I, I wouldn't be against it. I, w- I would like the signing, especially because I know it wouldn't be more than, I mean, he got a $10 million buyout. So it's not like he needs to sign a huge contract. He's gotten enough money. Does he want to go to a team that can compete? A team that, you know, in, in a pitcher friendly ballpark, um, you know, the Giants are a good fit. So you mentioned Tyler Anderson, which is uh, an excellent comparison. Grant, uh, Grant, uh, Brisby from the athletic, that's who he compared Lester to. And he put their stats side by side, actually their 2021 zips projections. And they project almost dead similar. Uh, Anderson is expected to strike out, uh, a little bit more, uh, and, uh, but Lester is expected to start more games. So, Pretty close comparison there. And we'll talk about this in a second, but on Wednesday, the Giants have to offer arbitration. And so uh, they have to tender guys for arbitration. The One of those guys is going to be Tyler Anderson, and I think you know he'll probably make upwards of $4 million if he wins the arbitration case against the Giants. John Lester is probably going to be worth more than $4 million. So if these guys are similar, you know, do you go with Tyler Anderson and do you offer him arbitration or do you non-tender him and, and just say, okay, you can go, you know, you can, you can be a free agent. Do they want to pay $4 million for somebody like Tyler Anderson? Uh, with, with Lester, I do think there's some intrigue with the Giants and how they take pitchers who maybe have struggled of late and they kind of not fix them, but they really uh, rework them and, and get them back to the fundamentals. And, you know, we talked about John's, uh, we talked about Drew Smiley. He, what did he sign with the Giants for last year? Like four million? Last year was four. And then this year he gets 11. Yeah. And, and, he, and it was all it was, was he came in, he's striking guys out. It's not like he, you know, was throwing, you know, no nos or anything, but he showed that he could miss bats and that he could increase his velocity in a day and age where, you know, guys usually lose velocity as they get older. So I think there's something in the, in the secret sauce with the giants and the, and the way that they develop pitchers and the way that they, uh, you know, they coach pitching 
that is pretty attractive for somebody like a John Lester who, you know, he's probably throwing high 80s at this point in his career. I think that I think that's an intriguing thing for him. Is it intriguing enough to take a pay cut? That I don't know because he is not a Smiley or a Gossman in that he's got a name. And his name might mean more than, you know, a million or two extra just because of who he is. Yeah, that that that's kind of tough because, like you said, uh, he is upper eighties. I think his average fastball last year was eighty nine. I mean, <laughs> that's not great. But also at thirty seven, is he looking to sign with the club to get his velocity back up for one year and then sign somewhere mm-hmm. at thirty eight years old? I, I mean, thirty eight years old, he's probably going to get another one year deal. So he's going to be on one year deals the rest of his career at this right. point. Um, I guess it depends on how much fire he's got left to just continue to play, or does he also want to lift that trophy one more time? Um, are the Giants the best place for that? At the moment, that's really hard to say um, because you've got the veterans in, in Belt and Posey and Crawford who are coming off of their contracts here in the next year or two. Um uh, this is probably not the year that John Lester should be looking to hoist a trophy in San Francisco mm-hmm. in, in what two years, the giants are going to have about a hundred and uh, close to a hundred million off the books from the contracts that they have right now when they hit, uh, after Longoria, who's the last one in, in two years. Um, that, that might be the time, you know, when the Giants can spend. And if, if Bauer was a free agent at that point, you go Bauer, you go Lester, you add some, some arms, and then you just go for it. Um, but right now, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think you just kind of have to gauge what Lester's mindset is. Um, he wanted to come to San Francisco. You know, we were a finalist for him at, at the end of the 2014, going into 2015 season. We just lost Pablo. They were looking to get a name in there. They offered him $150 million. <laughs> I was, what, seven years, eight years, something like that. <laughs> I mean, it was just a ridiculous amount of money, but they had it at the time from all those World Series championships. But now... I don't know. I, 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 again, I wouldn't be against it, but I really don't see it happening if you factor that into it. So to your point, 2021, the Giants are committed to $129 million for their payroll. 2022, they're only committed to $14.5 million. And I want to say that's like all Longoria. <laughs> yeah, very well. Very well could be. <laughs> and 2023, they're only committed to $5 million of people signed to their current contracts. So next year, they're going to have a lot of leeway. And I, I don't know what that means as far as being able to maybe be aggressive on a contract that may, you know, for an older player where maybe you know they're going to be good for one year, maybe they're going to be good for that second year. And if you have to add that third year, you add it just because you have that flexibility to add it. They, they could do stuff like that in uh, 2021 where, you know, maybe they take a little bit of a, a, of a bath on, on, on the, the, the contract for 21, knowing that they'll get the value out of it. And then in 22 and 23, they're not as worried because they'll have so much freedom. 
Yeah. And I guess it also depends too. What are the young guys going to do? I mean, Solano's uh, arbitration eligible and we'll get into that later, but he's not young, uh, but he is, you know, he's one of the stars of the team is Tremsky, one of the stars of the team. Are they going to be around in a couple of years, two years from now? We don't, we don't know that. So with all that money coming off the books, but you know, the giants having a decent farm system, they're going to have to start mixing those, um, veterans with the young guys, you know, kind of like they did this year, but Lester is such a, it's, it's hard to explain. It's, Lester's just like, you know, a very well-known, a very popular all-star, almost Cy Young award. Actually, did he win it ever in his career? Um, he did not. He, uh, he, he's finished in fourth twice yeah and he's finished in second and then he finished in ninth one time okay so but but that's a marquee name that's not like taking a gossman or smiley and saying we're gonna you know reclaim these guys we're gonna boost them up a little bit and see if we can sign them for longer um so lester's kind of in that different category i just don't see him as like the vet that you mix with the young guys because he's just not gonna be around after this year i can't i just can't see him being around after one year, but you never know. I mean, he could fall in love with the city and, and the organization and want to finish his career there and sign, you know, consecutive one year deals for the next three years. Who knows? Uh, is he that kind of player that's going to last that long? I mean, this is a huge year for him and, and his career at this point. Do you, do you think in free agent deals this year, agents are talking to GMs and the GMs are using statistics like, uh, you know, our, our, our city is the lowest in COVID-19 positives, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they very well could be, Hey, we have a chance of having uh, the least amount of canceled games, right? So, you know, that's a, come to us. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause you know, a lot of this, especially when you're dealing with, uh, some of these kind of, uh, how, how do you call it? Uh, incentive laden contracts. So a lot of it is based on games played and hitting statistics and, you know, you know, X number of home runs. And if games get canceled and you never replay those games, that could affect your contract. That's true. And I was, so I wonder if that type of stuff will be worked in the contracts. Um, you know, X amount of home runs per game. Maybe it's right. home runs per game type of thing. Instead of a, a, a number of like 35, it'll be, you know, whatever it is. But um, I'm, I'm not going to do math. It's <laughs> me to do math. Um, <laughs> but, but it, and you know, I wonder how that comes into play with teams like the Cardinals. They, they were not very mm-hmm. smart with COVID this mm-hmm. past summer. Um, their guys flaunted it. They invited people into the clubhouse and took pictures and posted it on Instagram and said, F COVID. Yeah. So, I mean, you get a guy like Lester who, I mean, probably hates the Cardinals anyways, cause he played <laughs> for the Cubs, but, but you look at him and he might look at that organization and say, no, I don't want to go there. Yeah. I mean, in this climate with everything going on and the numbers going up, I don't want to go there. I want to go to a, uh, an organization that's smart. And the Giants were very smart with it. They had the one um, false positive with Alex Dickerson and that was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the entire season. So uh, you kind of have to look at that too. And, you know, I don't know. That, that could come into play. All right. So tell me about Jason Vossler, who Zadie tried to acquire a few times last year, and then he became a minor league free agent, and the Giants snatched him up a couple days after our last recording. So <clears throat> Vossler, now there are so many 
free agent. There's going to be a lot more minor league free agents too, because of the whole, and we can get into this on a podcast. This is a whole podcast. And once they figure out what they're going to do with all the minor league teams, um, they're cutting X amount, like 40 to 50 minor league teams out of the entire system. Um, so there, there's going to be a lot more minor league free agents. And there are this year too, because, um, they just couldn't hang on to these guys. Uh, they didn't get to see what they actually did. Uh, so they couldn't re-sign a lot of these guys based Based on well, you know, I remember what they did two years ago. Um, so Vossler, uh, he's a third baseman, second baseman, first baseman. Uh, so, and that's you know the the Zadie type of guy where he could play anywhere on the infield. Uh, very versatile. Plug him in the lineup anywhere. Give some guys some days off. Um, in San Diego, he was roadblocked by Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, and uh, and Hosmer at first base. So all of his spots were taken. So they're like, you know what? We can't hang on to this guy. We have our infield of the future here. Although Hosmer's getting up there in age, but mm-hmm. still, um, you know, they're pushing the next couple of years. So they didn't want to sign him. Uh, in 2019, and 116 games in AAA, he went. To, he slashed 291, 367. 523 with 20 home runs. Um, so that's, that's the type of guy. I mean, this, this guy fits the mold. I don't, I didn't get his age. Um, I'll have to look that up. Um, uh, I'm assuming he's a younger guy, minor league, probably in his, you know, 24, 25 year, uh, 27, 27, a little bit older. So he's getting into that age where this is the 27 year old. We've talked about it before in the podcast, the old school mentality. It was 27 years old is the, that's the show me age mm-hmm. in major league baseball. Baseball. That may have changed over the years. Uh, it may not even exist anymore, but the scouts used to go by this, the, you know, 27 is the show me age. That's, that's going to be who you are in your career. Um, but you know, in AAA, the guy has flourished. So, and there's spots open. And again, um, you know, the guys like Solano, um, arbitration eligible, they'll definitely settle on something. I'm sure, uh, they're going to want to keep him around. Um, but you, you know, and Longoria is not going to be here in the next two years. Uh, so you're going to have, you know, third base is going to be open. Is he the third baseman of the future? I mean, he could definitely platoon, um, with, uh, with Longoria, get some playing time and kind of play around the infield. So I'm excited to see, I like these types of signings because anytime you see 290 and above in triple a, get a little excited and you're like, Hey, you know, if he could hit 290 in triple a, then when he gets to the majors, he should have, a little something to show, um, especially what the Giants have been doing with their hitting this past year, uh, and the and the hitting coaches and 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 everything that they've been doing. So, uh, I, I really like the signing. I think I think it's going to be fun to watch. Again, you know, I'm just going to pretend like we're going to have a normal season. <laughs> so so in spring training, you're going to see this guy play all over the place. Uh, maybe even in split squad games, you're going to see him play. Uh, you know, if they're in the same ballpark or nearby, he might even play in one game and hop over and play in the other game. Who knows? But I think they're going to want to get him a lot of at bats to see what he can do since there was no you know minor league uh season last year and so this follows pretty much the same blueprint that zadie took with alex dickerson baby yaz and solano like you said where these guys were sort of given up on by other organizations and Zadie had his eye on him and so we'll see what happens now. I don't think Zadie's going to hit 100% with all these guys. No. But 
the fact that it has worked with their current team and he's got an eye on this guy, I think that is something to be said. So that'll be really interesting to to just to make sure that uh you know, that, that the Giants keep their flexibility and they, they're able to play guys at multiple positions like he just adds another one of those tools. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, like you said, not 100 percent. I mean, remember Keen Wong, you know, they they grabbed him and Zadie was very excited about him. Didn't quite pan out. But Solano, I mean, he, he knew of Solano from the Dodgers organization, got him, and, and that panned out, and, and then his eye on Yaz. So he's, he's probably going to hit more than he misses. Um, but, hey, you got to take a chance on this guy, especially to a minor league deal. So nothing to lose. All right, so let's uh, get into a couple of other stories. Now, we mentioned the arbitration eligible, guy, uh, eligible guys. So... Uh, on Wednesday, every team will have to decide which arbitration eligible players will be tendered a contract for 2021. And so the Giants have 10 arbitration eligible players. And you can look up and down the list. There's going to be guys like Solano and Slater and Dickerson. And those guys are going to be offered arbitration you know they're they are they are parts of uh what what make up this team now there's another guy uh, now i'm reading from again using grant brisby's article in the athletic uh someone like reyes maranta who we didn't even see last year because he was hurt but i think we've seen enough of him knowing that he is probably in the mix for the team's future there are other folks like uh uh, Garcia, uh, Wandy Peralta, and Darren Ruff, who, you know, they're on the bubble there as far as when you're trying to put together your roster. And then there are others, and we mentioned one of them already, Tyler Anderson, who might not be offered arbitration just because his number is so high based on, you know, the Vizadi's looking for guys who are doing what Tyler Anderson does, but for about half of what you want to pay Tyler Anderson. You have Daniel Robertson, who came over from the Rays, and then you have someone like Trevor Gott, who had just about as horrific as, as you can have of a season last year. And I think the Giants, the Giants fan base turned on him very quickly. I was going to say, I, I think there would be a revolution if uh, his salary went from 700000 to about $1 million. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think they would say, for, for what? For, for what he did last year? The guy's getting a raise? So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Anybody on that list of guys that... You kind of wonder about what the Giants are thinking? You know, I one of my favorites over, over this past season has been Darren Ruff. I, I'd like to see what they do, but now we just talked about Vossler, who can play first base. Um, Darren Ruff plays first base. Brandon Bell. I mean, we saw Darren Ruff play in the outfield. Is he an outfielder? No, but he played in the outfield, but he is a first baseman. Uh, Brandon Belt had an amazing season last year, um, but again, he's got one year left on his deal. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they offered arbitration to Ruff. Um, everybody else, like you said, Solano, Slater, Dickerson, Maranta, those guys are all going to get it. Maranta, uh, again, I mean, he's he's he was going to be a massive bullpen guy this year. He was a, a large piece of the puzzle and possibly even the closer. Um, but with his injury and not 
pitching last year, that that's kind of a tough one. Um, he made what eight hundred thousand, um, or is that is that that's going to be actually his arbitration number um, around eight hundred. So really, that's kind of a bargain. So you almost kind of have to just do, yeah. So that that's going to happen. Um, Peralta was a, a bit player in the bullpen, um, making one to one point two million. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, affordable. Uh, that's who I could see. Trevor Gott, nope. Uh, Daniel Roberts, Robertson uh, just just didn't do enough to show that he's going to stick around. Tyler Anderson, I, I, like I said, that is a really tough one because he's going to be up in the possible $4 million range. And, and just as much as Solano would make coming off of his silver slugger season. Yeah, exactly. So you're 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 paying a left-hander, but again, you know, we were talking about John Lester. Do you pay John Lester, you know, 8 million, 9 million with incentives to take that place of Tyler Anderson? Uh, a normal season where you're putting people in the you know, people's butts in the seats and you're drawing fans. That's a, that's a pretty good trade-off. Um, cause I was also looking at Lester's numbers. He's seven wins away from 200. Mm. So that's kind of a nice draw. If you can get him at home when he's going for his 200th win, you're going to sell some tickets. I mean, it's just going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, Tyler Anderson, one of those, another one of those uh, reclamation projects of uh, of Zadies, and so you've got Smiley, Gossman, and Anderson hanging on to Gossman. Smiley's gone. Anderson's probably gone, but I think it. You know, I, I, they're probably making a push for Lester at this point. So I, I, I wonder how they're going to see how that negotiation goes first. But again, when you look at the free agents that are out. I don't think anything's going to happen in the next three days, free agency wise, uh, because with arbitration, it usually starts to happen after that. Uh, cause right now you've got t- roughly 240 players, uh, who are free agents in major league baseball, only 10 players, actually one more signed today. So only 11 players have signed. Um, and the majority of those have re-signed with their clubs. A couple of those have been Gossman included and, and Marcus Stroman have been, um, uh, you know, accepted the, uh, the initial offer, um, the one year deal. Uh, and then a couple of those are minor league deals. So, so that's it. I mean, that, that's really it for who is signed. So yeah, I could probably see Tyler Anderson walk because I know that they, they've got so many other players on the radar that they can replace him with at this point rather than, than, than spend $4 million on a guy like him. Right. Not that he's terrible or not that he's bad. The other thing against yeah, Ruff, decent. though, is, I mean, do we know? We, we don't think at this point that there's going to be a DH in the NL next year, do we? We, we don't. Um, I don't believe there's going to be. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I haven't read up on that lately. I haven't seen much of that talk. Um, the playoff format, I think, is staying uh, the, the way it was two years ago. It's not going to go to what it just was. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as of now, I, 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 all the rumblings were that the DH was going to stay. But we haven't seen any concrete evidence of that yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because if they do, if the DH does stay, then Ruff, his value actually increases because oh, yeah. his best actual position for the Giants would be as a DH. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the guy's, a, you know, he, he fits that mold. He's a masher. Um, 
so yeah, having having a guy like that in in the DH spot would be awesome. But yeah, here an article from October twenty second. Uh, MLB has reportedly reportedly won't use the DH in the National League. So, but again, just reported, um, it's going to extend the career of a lot of guys. So. I can't imagine at this point the Players Association would be against it, but you know maybe it's got to be worked into the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. So, all right, last story for this show. We know that Kevin Gossman signed the one year with the Giants for eighteen million, eighteen and change. What we didn't know until uh, last week when we were off is that he turned down. Allegedly, reportedly, <laughs> by Ke- uh, Ken Rosenthal, a three-year deal for around forty-ish million with the Blue Jays. So, not technically the same eighteen million a year for the one year that he got with the Giants, but a little bit of uh, of of you know years-wise gives you a little bit of investment. Uh, you're you're under a contract for a few years. You don't have to do this again at the end of next year makes me believe that there's something to where he and the Giants could extend further than 2021. Yeah. And I, again, I, he wants to be that that's been reported. Uh, I mean, by almost everybody, he wants to be in San Francisco. He, he likes the pitching coaches. He likes the organization. He likes the ballpark. I mean, you just want to tell the guy, wait until you play in front of the fans. Yeah, because uh, I mean, you're gonna like, you're gonna like it even more. Uh, players who come to play in San Francisco say, "Man, you've got some rabid fans. You've got some real hardcore baseball fans in San Francisco." People always laugh at that, and I'm not sure why. Uh, if, you, if you know, growing up going to Candlestick in the '80s, it was always a very good. Uh, a baseball city. I mean, that's, you know, you, you, you move, they moved a whole franchise from two whole franchises from New York to, to California. And one of them went to San Francisco because it's, you know, California, Texas, Florida, they always say those are hotbeds for baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a lot of baseball players cause the weather is so good. So kids growing up play year round baseball in California. And, and so you've got a lot of really good, knowledgeable baseball fans in the Bay area in San Francisco. So once he plays in front of them, I think he's going to like it even more, but yeah, I, I, I've been predicting, I, I, you know, even before that, I, I was saying, I, I could see him locking up for three or four years. Um, especially if he likes what Kapler's doing, if he likes uh, everything that's going on with the organization moving forward, uh, the money's going to be there. So like we talk about with Bauer, if they could, you know, get him on a light deal this year and then extend that, bring that up a little bit as the years go on and they're, and really, you know, heavy, heavy it on the back end for, for a Bauer, then, then I think you can get Gossman in there too for the next year or two um, on his deal. And then when that money comes off the books and you're kind of golden start building that nice pitching staff so all right so next week um one of the things we're going to talk about just because it fits very nicely on an anniversary standpoint is uh when the giants signed barry bonds in 1992 at the end of the year uh well it'll be our first show in december and uh, you had reached out earlier saying you know where were you when when bonds was signed do you remember and i I very clearly remember so (laughs) we'll have that memory 
And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll put this in the Facebook group on that day, but it'll be interesting to see if others remember where they were when they heard the Giants got bonds because it was really unbelievable. Like the Giants didn't get guys, free agents like that. They had to grow their guys through the farm system. And when Barry decided to come to San Francisco, it was kind of ridiculous because I just assumed that he was going to go to the Yankees. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And everybody thought so. Or, you know, is he going to resign with the Pirates? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were having some great seasons and it was just super emotional too because, the, you know, the Giants had been saved from yep. going to Tampa Bay. And then yep. all of a sudden, bam, now they've got a marquee name and you go, wow, this is uh, this is getting good. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, we'll be back next week, early in the week, more than likely on Monday, Tuesday. Monday, we'll record it and probably be out by Tuesday morning for everyone to listen to. But uh, yeah, for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.